1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
3: Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James, and today we've got Bryce and Alex from Equity Mates. They're a investing podcast, and actually, I think you're probably the most popular investing podcast in Australia. That's Australian and the most popular investing podcast in Australia. The most popular podcast in general, I would think. <laughs>
2: oh, wow, he's come out hot. <laughs> yeah. no.
3: Now, your, your PR people really need to slip you in here. <laughs> so, how we're going to pluck this chicken is I've asked the guys if they can hang around a little bit longer today. We'll do a, a bonus episode that we'll put up on Thursday and that will just be bam, 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 Q&A, not really covering the basics. We'll be talking a bit more lingo. I might ask the guys what they're personally investing in. I might share what i personally investing. I don't know. Don't sue me. Um, <laughs> I might ask them some other cool stuff as well and a heap of your questions. Nice. Sounds good. But for today's episode, I want to cover off on the basics because we had an overwhelming response of questions in about investing and a lot of those questions were how do I get started? Are the minimums? And all the basic stuff. We're going to talk about some basic terminology in this episode and it'll really empower you to get started on your investing journey. Now, we can't do this podcast without Sun Super, So, thank you, Sunsuper, for supporting My Millennial Money. Interestingly enough, I was just having a look on their website before you guys arrived. They've got CanStar, 5 Star, Outstanding Value. They've got the Chant West Super, 5 Star, Money Magazine, Winner 2020, and 2019. They've got super ratings, fund of the year, 15-year platinum performance from 05 to 2020. So, it's not their first rodeo. It's their 15th year <laughs> in rodeo. And they've got five-star Heron things. <laughs> Heron's an online super reviewer. There you go. 2020 top 10 pension product for the older people listening. Top 2020, my super. They've got heaps of awards and I'm butchering the this. Fond. Yeah. Uh, top 10 investment features. So okay, I wonder what the features are. Well, we'll have to um dig oh, a I should bit log deeper. on and have a look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. So, Alec, tell yes. us about your super situation.
2: Well, look, uh, super for me is my uh, my shameful secret. I guess it's uh, I run an investing podcast with Bryce, and yet I I'm not smart when it comes to my super. It's something that I know I need to get better at. I'm currently with uh, the Commonwealth Bank, and that's just because I bank with them. And you know, I sounds lazy. It is extremely mm. lazy. Great. One one thing you'll learn about me is I is I am pretty lazy. Okay, but this one is lazy and costing me money.
3: Mm. Great plug for our podcast. Yeah, well done.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: stay tuned. More yeah. great. <laughs> yeah.
3: And And uh, Bryce, what's your vibe on super generally? I mean, I think it's fantastic. Concept. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: if you don't want to take the time to invest uh, yourself outside of super, it's a great vehicle to, uh, I guess, be in the markets. A lot of people in our audience, or
3: in general, a lot of our mates don't actually think of super as an investment. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of people say, should I invest in shares or super? Yeah. Well, investing in shares in super is what you're doing now. Yeah. And you might not even know it. But I was just crunching because we are talking about investing in shares and we'll talk about indexed and active and all that. But if you want a low cost index option, like this is how cheap Sun Super is in terms of fees, right? I I just got up the PDS with their membership fee of 0.10% and their yearly admin fee of $78, if you put 50 grand in and you had half of it in the Australian Equity Index and half of it in the International Index Fund. So, 50-50 Australian, and I'm not giving advice here. I'm just using an example. 50% Australian, 50% international. So, that would be a 100% growth fund. The cost to have 50 grand invested in your super with Sun Super would be $228 a year or 0.46%. Wow. For a 100% growth fund. Wow.
2: Wow. Pretty cheap. Maybe, maybe I should look at that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Bye-bye CBA.
0: Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you're probably all cash as well over at no, CBA. No, no, definitely
2: not. Aggressive.
3: Yeah, ag- aggressive cash. Yeah. So there you go. Check out Sun Super. Throw them in the mix if you are reviewing your super fun. And let's block this chicken. Let's do it. Let's
1: do it. Alright. So, do you want to make a million bucks? Do you want to pose in front of your Ferrari, in front of your G6 jet, in front of your mansion? Well, this is the complete wrong script, Glenn. We're not doing it. We're not doing an episode. (laughs) Glenn's with his equity mates, Bryce and Ren, and they're talking about all things investing. Still pretty interesting, just not as interesting as a G6 jet in front of your mansion with your Ferrari.
3: Okay, so this this episode's basically built around user-generated content, because I'm quite lazy as well, and... I did actually curate the questions and I want to kind of do this narrative. One of the questions from Doug and Quaid, he said, why invest in shares over superannuation? What are the pros and cons of shares versus super? Now, I'm not answering that now because what I want to say is that type of question and there was a few of those questions, that's more of a strategy play, that's more of a your personal situation play and we've got an episode planned just around that question. So, uh, we'll leave that there. But back to you guys. Like, what are your day jobs? I am in
0: the strategy team for customer transformation at Woolworths.
3: Interesting. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excuse the
0: pun. (laughs) Wow. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I've been at Woolies for going on five years now cool and it, the funny side is that wren works for Coles.
2: that's it yeah <laughs> Wow. <laughs> work together on a podcast but arrivals yeah. in our day jobs
3: so yeah. what are we doing at Coles, we check out dick check <laughs> out chick
2: yeah that's it that's it no i work in sustainability Great. so uh you know taking projects to get waste out of landfill Great. solar panels on roofs all that all of that fun stuff
0: wow yeah but hopefully for not much longer we're sort of gunning to do equity mates full time as soon mm. as,
2: as we know, can. You know, this is going. <laughs> your, your boss might hear this. This is true.
3: <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah, we'll leave it as
2: a surprise. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's a question here from Pat Gardner. Uh, please ask Ren on a scale of one to ten how excited he is for this episode. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, ten out. Ten out of ten. Eleven out of ten. <laughs> right. The the context for people who haven't heard our uh, podcast is every time we interview a guest, I uh, was would always say how excited I was. And I didn't realise I was saying it every single time. And then Bryce and some of our audience started uh, calling me out on it. And so now it's just an ongoing gag. But look, I couldn't be more excited to be up here.
3: And I just want to um, make it awkward. Danny asked, I thought you lots were arch nemesises. They always diss you as the other podcast. What's his name? Can I have his number, please? Yeah.
0: So Look, I don't know where he pulled that from. I don't think we have ever dissed uh, M3 on the show. I know we have a couple is, of other shows. There is another
2: <laughs> podcast that we have dissed and okay. we stand behind that dissing. Okay. No So,
3: worries. we'll leave it there. Sweet. Uh, and just for everyone's record, like, I, I think I reached out to Bryce, oh, maybe even 12 months ago and yeah. we just had a bit of a chat at the time and then yeah, yeah. we want to plan some more stuff together as a online money community. So, yeah, I think, for, well, from
0: our point of view, like, the more stuff that happens in this space, the better for everyone. And, like. Yeah, I think what you
3: guys are doing is fantastic. So, yeah, thanks. thanks for having us. My pleasure. Thanks it's quite the setup. It, it is. It's, yeah. it's impressive. So, if you are watching on YouTube, you can have a look at these guys. Uh, a good voice for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We've got a face for podcasting. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, let's just hit it. Sure. I want to go around the circle here and we'll do me included. I'll start with Ren. What's, what would you say your personal philosophy is around investing?
2: Yeah, so I think my my philosophy sort of comes from why I invest, and the the thing for me about investing it's this unique opportunity to put your money in some of the best companies in the world that go and hire the smartest people in the world, and uh, you know I- invest in new markets and new technologies and develop new products, all to make their shareholders money. It's this unbelievable opportunity that we don't get to in any other asset class to invest in some of the smartest people and the best companies in the world. So my investing philosophy derives from that. I want to invest in the smartest people and the best companies that are available to me and I want to do it at a reasonable price.
3: Sweet, and if I can scratch a little bit further yeah. in terms of investing philosophy, do you have like a, a view like I do a core satellite type thing in my portfolio? I do. We know you don't do in super because you're not that smart, but I work something out. That, like, do you have anything around tax planning in your own philosophy or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So, in terms of uh, my investing philosophy, I don't. I don't think you know value or growth or anything like that. Momentum. I guess you know the the old quote of great companies at a good price is probably my philosophy. In terms of satellite and core, I I do have a core sort of holding, uh, which is mainly index uh, and some thematic ETFs, but mainly index ETFs that I dollar cost average into sort of every quarter, uh, depending on what the cash flow situation's like. Uh, And then partly because I want to test myself and see if I can beat the market. And also just for the, I guess, enjoyment. I'm a bit of a nerd I guess it will come out and I really enjoy you know studying companies and studying stocks so then I have a satellite portfolio where I pick individual stocks as well
3: yeah sweet and yeah. we will talk about um, I don't want to hold this section up but once we move on we will we will explain Core Satellite and what DCA is uh, yeah. for everybody um, Bryce your philosophy around investing I mean I echo what uh, Ren says
0: All right, we'll <laughs> <move on> to- <laughs> so yeah we can leave it no no um, Look, I just try to absolutely invest in what I know. I think that's very important. Mm. I've come unstuck before following tips from mates or investing in companies that I have no idea really what they're about, you know, under the surface. So mm. I try to remain uh, true to that. Uh, so that's why I'm heavy retail, yeah. a lot of my stocks, <laughs> <laughs> um, but around you know core and satellite, very similar to to Alec. Yeah, built a a, a pretty solid base of ETFs, indexes, and now have fun trying to. Um, stock pick a few individual mm. um, companies. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, and just I think my philosophy in terms of how I do it, I just try to be consistent as as often as I can.
2: Bryce is underplaying his ability to pick retail stocks, though. He is he's the retail whisperer. Every <laughs> every retail stock he touches turns to gold. It seems not gold. <laughs> <laughs> do you have holdings in Afterpay? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he to so. to t- you know. Pump Bryce's tires up because he won't do it himself. He picked off to pay what two at two dollars?
0: No, no, a bit, a bit more than that. But okay. it's been, it's yeah. been a fun ride. Oh, yeah, five dollars or whatever.
2: <laughs> and so that's why you should listen to Equity Mates because you get to hear Bryce pick retail stocks. Right.
0: <laughs>
3: what so, about you, Glenn? Yeah. So I guess my my I guess my personal philosophy about investing is foremost: I've got to do the Glenn of tomorrow a favor today. Okay. So it like that. I yeah. like that. You're welcome. You can use it. (laughs) Um, And then what I kind of do is I kind of, and it's kind of annoying my train of thought because, you know, having been a financial planner for 12 years, it's mainly more around strategy and tax efficiency as well. But I like growth assets and I don't discriminate against stocks or property. I've got investment properties myself and I've got stocks myself. Like it's Uh, My philosophy is I don't gear into equities uh, because I don't have the, uh, I don't love debt and I don't think I've got the stomach to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My philosophy is uh, first and foremost, if I've got X amount a month left over to invest, I will first put it in the most tax effective way and that is super. So I might cap out my super first. Okay. Because it's a tax strategy first. I've got the money left over. I don't need it today. I need it for the future. Uh, And then, after super, I've got an investment bond, which is I see it as my second super. You know, because it's a minimum ten years hold time in my mind for the investment bond, and then trickles down to uh, I've got a family trust that I have a brokerage account in. Uh, I don't. My philosophy is I don't hold any equities in my own name, asset protection and tax flexibility. Uh, I don't believe in single stocks uh, in their own right. On the podcast, I I often say. I can't see. And I like how you said, I want to try and beat the, the market. Yeah. Like, because I, if someone tells me that an individual investor, you know, on aggregate can beat the index. Well, Hey, count me in. My own view is, I think I just need to focus on shovel money to the future in yeah. stuff that I know is diversified, has good track record because I can make more of a percentage return in a physical business because I see a business as part of an investment. But anyway, so that's my kind of vibe. Um, the core satellite thing, I don't currently hold any individual stocks. If I was in my practice, I would recommend people, look, if you do want to do individual stocks, I'd probably recommend uh, no more than 10% of your total equity allocation just to really cap that gambling factor Mm -hmm. because it can be... And half the reason for me is I think I would get too addicted to it. Interesting. Fair enough. So, I've had to go, okay, I just got to chill out, just focus on... Why would that be a bad thing? Getting addicted to it. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen what happens with gamblers who get addicted to gambling? Oh, I thought you meant addicted to the stock market. Well, and that's it. It's like, what if I get the addiction of trying to pick stocks and trade Yeah, gotcha. and Mm. then want to go, oh, no, I'm going to go get a personal loan and throw 30 grand in. So, for me, my personality, I think it's too much of a slippery slope. Mm. In the bonus episode... Uh, that we'll do, I'll share some individual stocks that I am looking at and have always been curious for uh, and on. Yeah. But I just want to make it clear, like my public policy view is don't do single stock investing. Mm. If you are interested, just for the interest point of view, my own philosophy is I'm not doing more than 10% of my equity allocation.
2: I think we should be clear as well. When we talk about individual stocks, we're not talking about day trading or anything like that. Uh, individual retail investors have no edge when it comes to short-term trading. You know, you're competing against uh, professionals with... Algorithms. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, PhDs, you know, out the door and, you know, all the resources and all the supercomputers in the world, it, you, we just don't have an edge in that in that yeah. respect. Um, yep. But the the one area where individuals do have, I guess you could call it an edge, is that, we're not accountable to report how we're performing every quarter and every year to our, you know, investors and our shareholders and stuff like that. So, we have time on our side. And so, if you want to for, – for me, it's uh, holding uh, individual stocks for the long term, uh, not day trading or anything like that.
3: Yeah. 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 Sweet. And I totally agree with that. And I would just still cap that for concentration, risk, and diversity mm, yeah. at 10%. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. So, Emma – Pyatt asks, what is the all-ordinaries? The
0: all-ordinaries? Uh, yeah, you'll often see it on the news. I remember it being reported all the time on ABC, all-ordinaries index. It's a barometer for, I guess, the Australian stock market, top 500 stocks uh, based on market cap. And uh, that's pretty much it,
3: the all-ordinary stocks.
2: So Yeah, and, and the movement in the all-ordinaries is the movement of those basket of 500 stocks.
3: So, it's just a good finger on the pulse check of what the broad Australian market has done. Exactly.
2: So, you'll see the all ordinaries. You'll also see the ASX 200, which is the 200 biggest rather than the 500 biggest, but same principle applies. Yeah. Yeah. And I just
3: want to do some rapid fire basic terminology. Mm -hmm. What's a growth stock?
0: Well, a growth stock is a stock traditionally in the earlier stage of its business cycle, um, that has a pretty good runway in terms of revenue growth, uh, customer growth, all that After sort of pay, stuff. Afterpay, if you will. Afterpay, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Great you're, in, example.
2: you're investing in it because you expect it to be able to grow its business massively over the coming years. Mm. Yeah. And what would you say a value stock is? So, a value stock is where the the share price that you can buy it for today is cheap relative to the value of the business. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
3: Um, what does it mean if someone wants to
2: long a sh- stock so essentially, you're long a stock. Long a <laughs> stock. Yeah. Let's go long. Yeah, yeah, you're you're saying that you're investing in the stock, thinking that the price will rise, so you make money if the stock price goes up.
3: Generally, over a longer term.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, could, you can go long and just for a day if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it just
0: means you're generally positive about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just generally yeah. positive yeah. vibes about and, it. <laughs> I'm going long. Yeah. And what about uh,
3: when people say I'm shorting a stock?
2: So, the, the flip side of that, you make money when the stock price goes down. So, um, there's a few different ways you can do it, but the, the long and the short of it is, okay. pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> that you make money if the stock price falls. Do you guys have an episode on options? No. no we, we steer clear of options, um, both personally, well, at least I do, yeah. uh, and from the... The perspective of the podcast. Yeah. It's something I'm getting more and more interested in, but you know, there's more risk and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. for our from our point of view, options, CFDs, all that stuff is sort of Stay not away. not needed really. Like for professional yeah. funds and stuff like that, they, you know, help them make better returns. But for everyday And investors, it's probably
3: even like you'd probably just say it's beyond the scope of our podcast. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah. You can you can make plenty of money in the stock market without going towards Mm. those more exotic investment products.
3: And what is an example of a dividend stock? Your Woolworths,
0: your Telstra, your Transurban, um, these sort of big companies that... Well-established, if you will. Exactly. Very mature. You're not going to get huge gains in share price because of the stage they're in, but they just pay out a a, a decent dividend yield uh, relative to, say, growth stocks that sometimes don't Mm. pay a dividend at all. Yeah.
3: And weirdly, like... You know, I saw in the I was in a Facebook group the other day because I'm in some investing Facebook groups, and like I'll write a comment, and a listener of my millennial money will be like, "Oh, you're in here!" Like, <laughs> yeah, I like this crap. Just like <laughs> I don't talk about investing twenty five eight on the podcast, but I'm personally interested. Um, someone said, "Oh, you know, should I get a growth stock or dividend stock? Like, what's the play?" A lot of the research I've done over a ten year period. And correct me if I'm wrong. You guys do this stuff every day. Um, Every day after hours, after Woolworths and Coles. Um, (laughs) Definitely after hours. (laughs) But like, if you look at the long term, even if just reinvested your dividend, sometimes it can wash up the same as a growth stock anyway. Yeah. Mm. So, anyway. But that's a tax discussion beyond the scope of right now.
2: Um, What is an index? So, an index uh, is... uh Basket of stocks, um, so similar to what we were talking about with the uh, ASX 200 and or the or all Ordinaries. Arts, yeah. yeah, and so it just tracks the movement of that group of stocks. Most indexes are market-specific. So, uh, you know, like the UK has the FTSE 100, which is the 100 biggest uh, UK stocks. Uh, the US has the S&P 500, which is the 500 biggest US stocks. And so we use indexes to track the movement of overall markets or, you know, the, the biggest stocks in the market.
3: What would you say is, we'll go back to it at the start, what would you say is a core satellite approach?
0: A core satellite approach is where you build um, a core of either ETF or indexes if you are doing individual stocks. And it might be your blue chip stocks, as I said, Telstra and whatever. Um, and then the satellite approach is you branching off into smaller, maybe thematic approaches or... Which means themed? Yeah, themed. So, you might be interested in... I don't know, marijuana, for example, marijuana industry, or you might be in... in that's interested Bryce's in, core, actually. <laughs> you, might be, <laughs> you might be interested in cyber security. He walked in the door sideways today. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you should have seen him on the drive up uh. here. <laughs> this
0: is all not true, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's that's a core satellite, in my opinion. Do, yeah. you, have, do you have any... Yeah, answer? yeah.
2: I think uh, the core is, you know, as the name suggests, it's the, the main holding, it's Long-term, it's your real um, sort of... Bread and butter, if you will. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then satellite, generally, it's a little bit more... You can take a little bit more risk. You can be a little bit more flexible. It's A little bit
3: more sexy, if you will. Exactly,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm. Satellites are sexy. Mm. (laughs) And you you sometimes might be more willing to lose a bit of money in the satellite approach. It might be money that you don't need and you're willing to lose. And so, Mm. you're willing to... Take a bit more risk and invest in an individual stock that has more upside, but potentially more downside as well.
3: Yeah, and I think it's important. Like when I used to uh, do this crap for a living with clients, you'd kind of have your own house view of like what percentages, like would you say, what percentages would you say is a, like your own core satellite?
2: 70-30s yeah. or 60-40, if yeah, I'm feeling okay. a little Ooh. bit risky. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. So, I think generally probably like 70 core, mm. 30 satellite. Um, you talking dirty to me. When, when, <laughs> <laughs> when the market fell uh, uh, in March, it was a little bit more like, oh, okay, let's, let's find some names that are a bit cheap and that mm. I like. Um, but, yeah, so it sort of moves around a bit, but around that area. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I started with a satellite approach, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I, he was and now, well into outer space. Now, <laughs> now, I'm trying, now I'm trying to get
2: my core in. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so, yeah, I, again, in my practice, I would generally go 80-20 yeah. just for, because you're dealing with other people's money. and yeah, So, yeah, yeah. Um, for my own approach, if I'm going to do core, it would be the 90-10, just because I don't also don't have time to sit there and research stuff, yep. like yep. I'm interested, but I'd just rather shovel money, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, in the bonus, I'll talk about a stock that I'm looking at buying, which will be my first individual stock for like a million years. Wow, um, huge but big it's, move! Oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this, <laughs> yeah. mm. and, but, but as, as well, like as a public policy, and a, you know, we're all in a position of influence when we pick up a microphone, even if there's three people listening. You're in an influence because those three people are listening to what you say, mm. and that's why my public uh, policy approach to investing should be to focus on diversification mm. um, and not index, uh, not individual funds. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I think people make a mistake of thinking that you make all your returns in the satellite, and the core is kind of boring, but you can make great returns just with index uh, market, you know, average returns, just tracking the index over the long term the the market does extremely well, so it's not like you're missing out on good returns by prioritizing your core.
3: Yeah, but the problem with the core well the problem with the satellite thing, it's a good problem. If it explodes, it will explode and you'll make heaps of money. yeah if it doesn't explode and it goes down the toilet, you'll press flush on all your money mm, mm. and and this speaks to your own personal risk profile like, I'm sleeping just as well tonight if someone wants to not have a core approach and just do specky stocks on everything. Like, I don't care because it's not me. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll
2: move on. Um, We do not endorse the 100% specky stock approach. (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, I believe it's called the dartboard approach. Um, (laughs) Although, since March, the dartboard has worked extremely well. (laughs)
3: Absolutely. Um, Okay. So, let's talk about brokerage accounts and what they are. Well, I mean, fundamentally, they're
0: the platform system, whatever it is that you, the middleman between you and the company that you want to buy, it's how you actually take ownership of that stock. They facilitate the transfer of the share between you and the person that you're buying it from
2: hmm. in its ta- simplest form. yeah. If you take a step back, when whenever you buy or sell a share, there's someone on the other end of that trade and you're not... Calling up your mate saying, do you have Commonwealth Bank stock to sell me? You could do that. You You could. (laughs) (laughs) And so, the broker is essentially the the middleman that finds the buyer or the seller and connects you with them. And that's
3: like if you watch the Wolf of Wall Street, like (laughs) the old telephone and the trading floor on the stock exchange. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, back in the day. That was the old school, hey, we can get you in X amount of shares. Yeah. The broker might be paying X for them, but charging you Y yep. and making a spread, they call it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, an example of maybe, let's choose three of the top brokerage accounts, just for some names. Self-Wealth, uh, personally, I use IG, and I'm still with ComBank. Right. ComSec. Right. So, they're my three majors. Okay. Just for my own curiosity, why do you, only, why do you use three brokerage accounts?
0: Good question. Um, started off with Comsec way back when, and so it's still got a number of my holdings. Um, but then, as you know, over the last five years, more and more brokers have come to market. It's become a lot cheaper. Uh, so then moved to IG because it had international markets that were a lot cheaper than than Comsec. And now I've got wealth because. I just wanted to try it out. It's it's cheap mm. and it's now giving uh, this sort of community yeah. social aspect that I was interested to see. I think that's a big trend coming through now in, in the mm. broker space. So, um, yeah, I don't hold anything in IG at the moment. Though. Sure.
2: Uh, I also use three, similar to Bryce, just a sort of a byproduct of the journey that uh, mm. I've been on. So, I bank with Commonwealth um, and, you know, ever since I had that Dolomites account, they really... Kept Jeez, me, they've yeah. got your bloody claws in you. I know, they really have. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly up. what they wanted when they Jeez. you know, went to schools and spruked dolomites. <laughs> um, so I started with ComSec uh, just because it was who I banked with. Um, it was quite hard back when we started to access international markets and it was quite expensive as well. And so um, the second broker I use is Stake, who offer free uh, brokerage for US shares. Um, How much are they paying you right now? Uh, Nothing, (laughs) nothing But look, if they want to sponsor me uh, You you know how to get in (laughs) contact And So then, uh, yeah, Steak was my second one Uh, Mm. And then obviously there's a lot more markets in the world Than just Australia and the US And so my third broker that I mainly use now is IG Just because they offer access to a lot of markets
3: So, if we move now to the share registry. So, there's share registries that might be link market services or computer share. Yep. And if you buy shares, you can log into the registry. Yes. So, that company, what's
0: the role in your shareholding? It's actually a good question and something that a lot of our audience come to us to ask about because it can be quite confusing, but they play a very important role. Mm. Um, They essentially manage the, I guess, the role of… Of the companies that you're buying shares in. There's a lot of admin for, say, Woolies, for example, with all of their shareholders update their dividend reinvestment plans, update their personal details, all that sort of stuff. So, it's the role of the share registry to do that on behalf of these companies.
3: Yeah. So, for example, if I had a company... Um, call it Glen James Awesome Club, Proprietary Limited. Yes. And it's a good club. It's a I've company. actually
2: already trademarked that name. So, <laughs> oh, you sorry. have to come up with something yeah. else. <laughs> um,
3: and I wanted to sell both of you a share in my company. Yes. Instead of me doing the paperwork like, oh, hey, Alec and Bryce, like, what, what do you want? I just employ Nathan as my registry. Yep. Mm. So, Nathan does all the paperwork on, yep. as the third person. Yeah. In, in between. So, I
0: think yeah. as a beginner investor, the fir- you need to just realize what companies use what registers. You'll yep. usually get a lot of paperwork oh, from them. So
2: much paperwork. <laughs> and
0: and that way you can keep track. Um, mm. it, they're really important when it comes to dividend reinvestment plans because that's where you make the decision
3: to yep. do the dividend reinvestment plan or not. Yeah. Jesse Fancett asks I'm an absolute novice. How do I start investing in shares? Good question. It's a great question.
2: I mean, well, look, we should we should start with a shameless plug. Well, oh, yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> I, I'm like, because I had it written down here. That so, go on, plug your bloody thing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we have a twelve part uh, podcast series where we took all the lessons that we learnt from our main Equity Mates podcast and made a second podcast called Get Started Investing. Uh, so, the first thing to do if you want to get started is to listen to that twelve part series. <laughs> and we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. The second uh, thing, well, there's probably two approaches you can take. Um, the first one is more traditional. It's getting your money sorted, saving some money. You're probably looking at, as a rule of thumb, we like to say you want to pay 1% in brokerage or less. So, let's say uh, you, you save up a $1,000 and then uh, you decide, you, you sign up with a broker and you invest it in, you know, something something basic to start with like an index tracking ETF. So, that's that's the more traditional way to start investing. The second way that technology is really enabled recently is micro-investing, which uh, people might be familiar with uh, Rays, which used to be Acorns, or uh, Comsec Pocket, or Vanguard Personal Investor, or Spaceship, Spaceship. yeah, not sponsored, so we'll name them all, um, and, and they allow you to invest from literally... A couple of cents. Um, mm. they they put you in different uh, funds or different ETFs, um, depending on who you go with, and it's a really easy way to just get started with a few cents or a few dollars at a time. Yeah, yeah, sweet. And
3: I guess as well, if you don't want to listen to twelve episodes, um, <laughs> trust me, you do. You do. You can uh, if you scroll back through, we actually did a review of the four platforms that we talked about on uh, on the podcast. But I guess. Starting out investing in shares, I think you probably, yeah, save a couple of grand if you want to do, if you don't want to do the, um, you know, the apps and want to, you know, step up to the plate, to the major league, you might go, well, I'm going to open a self-wealth account. I might open a Comsec account. I might open an E-Trade account. You might then go, I'm going to look at uh, an index and invest into that index and it might be through an ETF. So we'll just touch on what an ETF is for the people who might not know.
2: Yeah, so uh, if you think about a traditional uh, managed fund, um, they're private. They, are, uh, you know, you, you'd sign up. Not uh, you, you'd sign up by you know writing to the company and giving them your money. Uh, but now they are uh, exchange traded funds. That's what ETF stands for, and it just means rather than having to buy into a fund privately. You can actually just buy into a fund as you would an individual share. So, you sign up with a broker. Uh, every ETF has a stock ticker. You put the ticker in and you just buy it that way. So, it just makes it a lot easier to buy and sell these units. And then there's additional benefits like um, that the ETF provider makes the market for you. So, there's more liquidity and stuff like that. We don't need to get into that too much. Yeah. It just, uh, in, a, in the broadest sense, it makes it a lot more accessible and a lot more easier uh, to access these funds.
3: Yeah, because Cara Lee asks for low-income earners, uh, where do I start and, you know, how much of a minimum? I think if you are going to open a brokerage account, you'd almost you just really want a couple of grand, wouldn't you? Like you say 1%, but I don't know. Yeah, we
0: try to stick to the rule of 1% or less. Yeah. Um, I mean... The minimum you need on these brokerage platforms is 500 bucks. 500 bucks, yeah. So, that's the bare minimum you need to get started. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, Glenn, I think, you know, at least try to try to get sort of that thousand mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can get going. If you have two, it means you can chuck grand in each ETF. And-
3: yeah. So, I just want to like really try and make it as clear as possible. So, there's example, there's a company called Vanguard. They're like yeah. probably the biggest passive Index yeah. fund investor. Something like $8 in,
2: trillion dollars at the moment. Yeah. yeah.
3: So basically, if you invested in a fund that was a Vanguard Australian indexed fund, yes, you would put the $2,000 in the Vanguard index fund or ETF and then what they would do in the background is just mimic the top 200 stocks on the Australian share market or the top 500, whatever yep. their fund is and then maybe every quarter or every month or whatever that company does, so, for example, if there was a company that was number two hundred in the fund, and then they, another company grew and it kicked them out, that company Vanguard would have to make a sale. And, yeah. And yeah. they call it a rebalance. rebalance yeah. yeah. So basically, what it is, it's a instead of just putting two thousand dollars into Woolworths or Coles, and that's one investment. If you put your money into an index fund, you would effectively perhaps spread it over 200 or 500 companies.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of the ETF that I think is most uh, attractive for beginners. In one trade, you can spread your cash across, to your point, Glenn, the top 200 stocks in Australia, which from a diversification risk point of view, you're not putting two, your hard-earned 2,000
3: into one stock and riding you know, everything on that. Yeah, because if we got dramatic and if... I put $2,000 into Woolworths and... Bad move. (laughs) Actually, general advice only, no (laughs) specific advice. Um, If I personally had $2,000 in Woolworths and uh, Bryce, you had $2,000 in an ETF that invests in the pro rata balance of the top 200, so the pro rata weighting rather. Yeah. So, 12% of that fund might be BHP, for example. Yeah. Now... If Woolworths tanked, absolutely went in half, I would reduce my holdings to $1,000, okay? But for Bryce, if Woolworths absolutely tanked, you'd barely see a blip
2: on his return. Yeah, 100%.
3: And that's the,
0: to my point, ETFs allow a beginner investor to de-risk and diversify in one simple trade
3: or an investor like myself who just wants to focus on shoveling money into the market. Mm, Absolutely. mm.
2: I mean, I I started this uh, show talking about how lazy I was with super. Um, The good thing with ETFs is you can be lazy but also be making sensible decisions Mm. because, as you said, the index takes care of it for you. If companies are underperforming, they get rebalanced to a lower weighting or they get rebalanced completely out of the index. And higher-performing companies that are growing their share price get a higher uh, weighting in the index and so you own more of them.
3: Yeah. And again, like we've got a variety of different listeners and I just want to reaffirm if you're new to My Millennial Money, uh, we might have somebody who is working a part-time job studying earning $10,000 a year listening and they might have a bit of debt and I know we've got listeners who earn $400,000 a year who are dialed in, sophisticated in their own world. We just need to cover all bases and i always like to just try and shoot down the middle so hopefully if you are an experienced investor you're still with us and just being encouraged uh and if you are at the other end where you're not there yet you're still also learning and being encouraged yeah so uh, and again our bonus episode will get really um dirty into some more Dirty. Fun questions. <laughs> nice. Yeah,
2: and I think just on this ETF thing, if you are that uni student who's you know got a bit of debt, is earning uh, you know ten thousand dollars a year, but you do want to start, but you don't think you can save the thousand dollars to sign up with a broker, some of these micro investing platforms now offer you access to ETFs, at, you know, for a couple of dollars. So we were talking about Vanguard earlier. They have a, uh, it's called Vanguard Personal Investor yeah. and you can access ETFs for a lot less than $1,000.
3: Nate listened. Uh, he actually edited the podcast when we reviewed them all and at the end of the podcast, he said, oh, I've just signed up for Vanguard Personal Investor.
2: Nice one. <laughs> there you go. That's a that's a testimonial right there. I know. <laughs> Hashtag not advice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just saying what Nate did. <laughs> did. Did you stay with him though? That's the question. Yeah, still there. Nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um,
3: so, I guess th- another question as well, like, I've I put this question in like when is it time to graduate from investing apps if at all like in your view like if a listener wrote into you and said oh i've got you know all my debts cleared and i'm not just doing roundups anymore and i want to really give this investing thing a shake for the long term do i double down and stay with app x or Do I create a brokerage account and then move my money out and just go to town for the long term that way? I think, um,
0: obviously, it's a very personal thing. And I can't, there's probably, from my point of view, no set, you know, once you've made 10 grand in your um, app, then Mm. it's time to sort of switch across. For me, it's just when you feel comfortable that you're going to know how to uh, manage your brokerage account, you know what you're going to invest in. then just go for it. I think, this, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the investing apps, but... Um...
2: The, the one thing would just be look at the fee structures mm. for the micro-investing apps because some of them might be great for small balances, but if they're charging a percentage, you know, every month or every quarter or every year, then as your balance grows, it becomes a pretty bad option compared to just signing up with a broker and buying them out, right? Mm. Now, I'm not 100% sure what all the different... Uh, platform fee structures are oh, are but... you? That's why I got you here <laughs> <laughs> We're macro investing Not micro investing <laughs> But um, yeah I w- That would be the one thing That I think Other than that I, I think Bryce is right um, it- It's sort of a personal thing um, you know? I I actually
3: think I've got I was just thinking on it then. Like, I love what you guys said, but I think I've got the perfect example and the perfect answer. Oh, yeah? yeah. Well, you, you going share it? it shouldn't
2: have even asked us. Should <laughs> well, us? I, no, I, I that, no, I only thought should of it ask, after you finished.
3: No, I only thought of
0: Should we ask you the question? Yeah, then? ask me the question. <laughs> when, when is the perfect time to jump from
3: small-time investing apps to the big league? It's a great question. Glad you asked. Um, I actually think... As your balance grow, so number one, if you're just using these small apps for roundups and it's set and forget, you might just use that for short-term savings that you forgot about, okay, for example. So, yeah, sure, you don't want to invest in my view for any time under five years, but if if you can make money by using roundups, awesome. Go to town, do what you want. But I think if you actively say, I want to start to be an investor and you- actively is starting to put X amount of money into your uh, app, Okay, I think as your balance grows and the more that you are dialed in and are learning, the right time will be when you've done your own research and then decide to based on your own experience because the more money you get on a platform or somewhere, the more interest you'll take in Absolutely. the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That's one of the biggest things we say on the Get Started Investing is that people often have the use the excuse that they don't know enough to get started, mm. you, you, you're you never going to feel like you know enough, I don't think. But to your point, Glenn, once you're in, you then become so much more into it yeah. and you take interest if in you, what you're doing. If
2: you feel like you know enough or you know everything, you've left it too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
3: I think it would just be a natural progression of your investing. Mm. And it's the same with um, like all these podcasts and tech gear. Like my first camera that I bought was a Canon Canon, Uh, DSLR, okay, and I used it for videos. Oh, the more I used that camera, the more I learned that, oh, Canon, it was actually better for photography, not video. Yeah. Then the next one I bought, I bought some uh, Panasonic Lumixes. They were more expensive and it was good for video because it did more than 30 minutes recording and it was 4K and all this and then we outgrew that and now I've got Blackmagic gear. So, it wasn't that I started my photography and videography crap going to black magic yeah. mm. i had to start a natural learning and education progression mm. and this is what
0: yeah and i think that's what people don't think about when it comes to their investing journey they feel like they need to know everything but mm. you, you don't you don't and these apps are a great way to mm. to yeah. get exposure just to the way that they set it out in terms of understanding a- asset allocation you know mm. aussie stocks international stocks bonds cash just yeah it's a good way to get involved the, yeah.
2: the other thing that will probably nudge you towards fully investing from micro-investing is that they're all constrained in their own ways in terms of what you can buy. And so, hopefully, you know, as you learn, as you get more interested, you're like, I want to own that, but I can't throw that up and, and that'll push and
3: you. And on. that's my exact scenario when I went from cheap Canon DSLR to Lumix. The more I was woke in this photography, videography thing, the more I learned that if I wanted to buy direct shares in amazon mm. i couldn't do that with raise yeah
2: exactly yeah
3: for example yeah. so oh that's cool so we might wrap it up there with our first little podcast because nice. we're going to have a quick break top up the waters yes. and we'll come back and do a bonus one but again i just wanted to use this episode to just really uh welcome the guys into our ecosystem i would love to just do a podcast Episode every three months just come up or I'll come down. We just talk shares and crap. We just, enjoyed the drive up here. It was yeah, good it wasn't time. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean loving the studio. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I mean we'd love to do that. Yeah. So I just want to be encouraged because like there's some really good questions here, mm. and and to be honest, the only reason why we're not just going to keep recording is we want to keep each episode under an hour. Yeah, Yeah. so do we. We'll try and keep it 45
2: minutes (laughs) or less. As I warned you before we came on, Bryce loves to waffle. So I'm surprised we have kept it under an hour. (laughs) So,
3: in our closing comments on getting started, other than check out your Get Starting Investing mini series, is there any closing comment to this episode that I think you would say to anyone who wants to really get their feet wet? In yeah. the waters of investing <laughs> <laughs> i think we've covered it all and we kind of
0: just touched on it then don't feel like you have to know everything to get started the sooner that you get in the markets even through an investing app a micro investing app the faster that you are going to learn about everything that is out there mm. and the quicker you can do that the better so don't feel like you, you need to know it all yeah
2: to to echo that um we like to say on the show, "Don't let perfection be the enemy of the good." Yeah, you you may not feel like you know everything, but it's it's important to get started. You know, you may not feel like you know what the perfect broker is, but you can change brokers over time. You may not feel like you know what the perfect index fund or ETF is, but that's the beauty of the market. You can you can sell and you can buy other ones. Just uh, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. You'll learn so much quicker by getting started.
3: Yeah, I've been saying that lately as well because I think a lot of economists say it. And it's just so true. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I guess my closing thoughts, if I may. um, (laughs) (laughs) Your your show, Glenn. (laughs) Yeah, you can do Um, whatever you
2: want. (laughs) I I
3: would say realistically, and again, it's the financial advisor coming out in me, ex-financial advisor for those trolls who troll me. um, (laughs) um, I would say really start to develop your own investment philosophy. Mm, like like that. Like, what are you all about? And it might be that, oh, actually, no, I can't be bothered investing in equities. I'd rather just save up and buy an investment property. Mm. Awesome. Or, no, I can't be bothered doing it in my own name. I've got surplus cash. I'm just going to pump super and learn more about super. Awesome. So, really develop your own philosophy about what you're about Mm. and just clean up any consumer debt before you start investing yeah, the yeah. best return you're going to make is paying off your personal loan from the trip to Ibiza five years yeah. ago <laughs> um, talking to you Ren um,
2: Ibiza was a good investment though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's still paying dividends <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah those STIs are hard to shake. Um so <laughs> we've got a sexual health podcast should listen to it yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, you, to the, you, you to me you to us is That's what it's called, everyone. Uh, So we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on today, and we'll have another chat later in the week. Thanks Thanks for having us. All right. Bye. It's
1: been fun. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au
3: for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you aren't sure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au.
1: If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash m3. You can join Sunsuper online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs because of that you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information if you do choose to buy a financial product read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs simo interactive proprietary limited the publisher of the podcast is an authorized representative of money sherpa proprietary limited which holds financial services license 451 289